This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Hey, I'm Ray. And I'm Dean. And we're from Joy Breakfast. We hope you enjoy this Joy podcast. It's eight minutes past eight and you're on Joy Breakfast with Cal and Dean. And uh, we're switching gears a little bit this morning, aren't we, Cal? Yeah, we are. We're getting into, a, I guess, a heavier topic. Yeah, we're going to be talking about conversion practices, uh, but this is going to be a little bit different and interesting for you. Kel is here guest co-hosting today, uh, but we have a pre-recorded interview that Rach and I did uh, with Jace from South Australia. Now, South Australia are a bit behind us in time. Half um, an hour. Half an hour behind, <laughs> but when it comes to breakfast radio and conversations and interviews, we were like, okay, cool, there's no point being tired or rushing, so we decided to record this later on in the morning uh, and then bring it to you both here. Um, and give it consideration yeah. time because it can be a tricky one and especially when you're talking to folks that are survivors of you know conversion or change to suppression um efforts yeah oftentimes called conversion practices some people even say conversion therapy but yeah. we're kind of moving away from that language because it's not therapy no it's not in fact it's you know it's proven to be quite the opposite it can be have really traumatic and psychological effects on people mm. and if you're not familiar with like what we're talking about when we say conversion practices it's basically practices that seek to change or hide someone's sexual orientation or gender identity and they can be like really harmful um a lot of times people we hear them in the context of like religious or faith-based groups but it's not exclusively to that no yeah yeah and that's a bit of what we're going to hear about today so this is a pre-recorded interview that rach and i have done with jace about his experience you're on Joy Breakfast with Rach and Dean, and every one of us deserves to be respected for who we are. We know that practices that seek to change or suppress a person's sexuality or gender identity call real, cause real and lasting harm, whether they recur in a religious or health space. We don't have a national ban on conversion therapy in Australia yet. It is banned in three states and territories, the ACT, Victoria and Queensland. And a draft bill introduced in Tasmania at the end of last year has been called out as worse than useless by Equality Tasmania. Equality Australia are calling on people to currently sign a petition that would put an end to conversion practices in New South Wales. And in South Australia, South Australian Rainbow Agafits Advocacy Alliance is leading the charge for a ban on conversion practices in the state. And joining us this morning from Adelaide is Jace Ray, who shared his experience with conversion practices in the paper last week in a hope to get the conversation moving on changing the laws regarding conversion practices. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Jace. Thank you so much for having me. Now, we've heard that one of the difficult things about conversion practices is they can come in a lot of different shapes and sizes from counselling, prayer, or just helpful advice from a person in authority. Can you share with us this morning your experience with conversion practices when you were younger? Yeah, so I first experienced conversion practices from the age of eight years old. Um, I'd grown up in a really non-religious home. It wasn't really something that my parents um, considered or felt was necessary. Um, But living in a small country area, when it came to the best school around, uh, the option was a Christian school. Uh, So I went there and very quickly the staff and particularly the pastoral care worker at the school became pretty aware that I was a bit of a different kid that was having a hard time. Uh, And they really kind of zeroed in on that. Um, So very quickly, I was meeting regularly with the pastoral care worker um, before I was then encouraged to meet regularly with the pastor at the local evangelical church. 
Um, so every Wednesday I would go there after school, well, after sports training and then to, to the church, um, in which I would have one-on-one meetings in which the pastor would kind of guide me and advise me on what the Bible was saying about my experiences, especially kind of as a different kid that was considered pretty hyper-masculine. Um, from that point, after two years, I was baptised, um, accepted God into my life, all the time being given this rhetoric that I had a set of things that I needed to achieve in order to be a godly woman. Um, you know, I would need to pray every day, obviously, but I would also need to find the right kind of husband that would help me bear children, then I would be able to pass the word of God on. Um, from that point, it became um, four days a week I was attending the church mm. um, under spiritual guidance guidance from both my teachers and the pastors. Um, and even I myself was leading Christian groups, all the while being told that, you know, these things that I had bubbling just under the surface that they could see and I could see uh, was something that I needed to suppress and keep down and I couldn't tell anyone. And as long as I didn't tell anyone and I didn't do anything on it, God would still think that I was okay and I was good enough. And that kind of culminated when I was about 14 years old, when I did verbalize something that I hadn't verbalized yet, but I think we all knew. And I said, you know, to my, uh, one of my school teachers that was a spiritual leader, I said, you know, I'm thinking these things about women and I'm thinking these things about, you know, being a different person. Um, and he turned around to me and he said, if you stop thinking your gay thoughts, God will forgive you. And that was kind of, the peak moment where someone said verbatim exactly what I think we'd all been thinking, mm -hmm. which was if I could just keep it down, I'll still be the good Christian that I was meant to be. How did that suppression make you feel at the time? Was it something that you went, okay, yep, well, I guess that is what I'm going to do? Or did it actually eat away at, at who you were as a human being? It certainly ate away. I mean... Like I said, that was the first time it had been said verbatim, but it was something that I think we were all acutely aware of. Um, and every night I would have to sit down and I have to, you know, open my Bible and read a passage in order to be able to just kind of keep it at bay because it wasn't something where it was like, it was only occasionally a passing thought. I think I knew the whole time that I was queer and that I was trans, but I had to actively fight it. And the fact that my body, no matter how hard I tried, still had these thoughts and feelings became such a great point of distress for me mm. um, because I was like, I'm trying so hard, I'm working so hard, and yet I'm still being afflicted with this. Like, what is wrong with me? I must be evil. Um, and that did um, end up culminating a lot of self-harming behaviour and suicide attempts as a young person because I had been convinced that if I tried hard enough that it would all go away and it just wasn't. You're on Joy Breakfast with Rach and Dean and we are speaking with Jace around his experience with conversion therapy. And just remember, if you do need any support throughout this conversation, head to joy.org.au forward slash support. Joy Breakfast. That is a pre-recorded interview that Rach and I did earlier in the week with Jace from South Australia. We've got a little bit more of that to come. You're back with Kel and Dean. What was that like for you, Kel, hearing that? Oh, uh, look, I, you know, I remember back around we did a lot of this advocacy work in 2021. Uh, specifically in Victoria because we actually now have an act in place mm. um, and I remember we did an episode of Well 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 where I talked to a lot of people that were from different 
you know, a victim survivor groups. And there was a statement that we had called the sexual orientation and gender identity change efforts or SOGICE statement. Um, and it, what was so important and that came back again and again, and it's so great that we're, you know, featuring J- Jace's voice is survivors and victims really guide future legislation. And here in Victoria, that was one of the things that was really heralded about the acts that came out of it mm. is that it was really in, it was developed in partnership and if not led by people who had experienced it firsthand. And it's considered by many the legislation here in Victoria to be kind of world-class. And I hope that that's what we see happen in South Australia as well. Yeah, we're going to keep continuing that conversation going with Jace right after this. You're on Joy Breakfast with Cal and Dean. Joy. You're on Joy Breakfast with Dean and Cal. We're coming back with our pre-recorded conversation with Jace about conversion practices. Yeah, we, I, you know, we already heard the first part with you and Rach from earlier this week. And I think, you know, what Jace tells us about that and what they're trying to do in South Australia, um, it's a really compelling conversation. Here we go. You're with Rach and Dean on Joy Breakfast, and we're chatting with Jace this morning around conversion therapy. Well, you're 23 now, and you're absolutely living a more authentic life. What has that been like for you, finding a space to be able to step into yourself after what you went through, through that journey and experience? Uh, Yeah. Honestly, it was really difficult. So um, about 15 and a half, I came out publicly as trans. I'd left the church probably about seven months prior after um, quite a intense uh, suicide attempt um, because it had, you know, kind of culminated in this way. I'd lost a um, community member to suicide. Um, The pastor had been very clear that he believed it was a coward's act. Mm. And obviously I'd been experiencing those feelings for so many years and I had to kind of take a moment and go, maybe it is okay for me to feel this way and it's them that's wrong. Yeah. Um, And as much as I felt that, it was really hard to put that into practice. I had, you know, repeated really poor relationships where, you know, I would very quickly switch on a person. I'd become quite aggressive about being queer because I felt it was wrong and evil. So how can this person be so happy and fine about it? So it was really difficult for me to maintain healthy queer relationships and also to have a healthy perspective on myself because I had all these thoughts of, you know, so many years of being told that it was wrong and bad. Um, It's probably only been about the last four years where I've really felt like it's okay for me to be who I am and I'm allowed to talk about that and that's allowed to be a sense of pride for me. Um, And it's definitely been more as I've been able to find spaces. I mean, even a place like the Laird has really been a moment for me to go, it's okay. It's okay for these people to be themselves, so therefore it must be okay for me as well. Now, Jace, I had a very like different but similar experience to you. I grew up as a pastor's kid um, and I grew up in this this church environment that said God loves you for who you are but don't be gay, don't be queer, <laughs> don't be any of these things that, you know, in inverted commas, we would like to pick this verse out of the mm. Bible that says you can't be that but you're allowed to eat shellfish and wear mixed uh, cottons <laughs> now. So... The did you also struggle with the concept of if God loves me for me, why can't God love this part of me as well? Definitely. I mean, being from a country town, we would very regularly, and they still do in the town that I grew up in, there are often those people that have those big signs that say, like, God hates different yeah. slurs, different yeah. communities. Um, and I remember I was probably about... I was probably about 13 and, you know, I was obviously getting closer and closer as you often do in puberty to being like, oh God, I can't avoid this anymore. Um, And they were standing outside my supermarket and I was with my younger sister and, you know, um, 
even though my parents hadn't started religious once I kind of I kind of led the family there as well so my sister was also Christian at the time um, and she started weeping so she's six years younger than me so she would have been you know seven at the time and she's like so scared because these mm. people are yelling and they're saying God hates God hates God hates and I'd very much taught her like God loves that's what God does um, and I turned around at 13 years old to this guy and I was like, God doesn't hate anyone. And I could say that to him about him saying, you know, God hates gay people, but I couldn't say that about myself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that was really, you know, that was the start of all those dominoes falling. Yeah. I just want to say for anyone listening, if this is bringing up any feelings or concerns for you, we, you can check out a array of support services at joy.org.au forward slash support. It's always there for you in that way. Jace, I'd like to ask, what would you say to someone who's listening right now who may resonate with what you've been talking about uh, in your past and may feel they're in a similar situation experiencing pressures from conversion practices? What would you say to them? There's a couple of different things, actually. And I mean, part of it is what was mentioned in the article, which is that um, the current Premier of South Australia, Peter Malinaskis, he made a comment in which he said, you know, we actually don't know how much conversion practices is happening in South Australia. And it's because people are afraid to talk about it. Mm. And I would say, reach out, reach out to community organisations, reach out to the places that are there to support you, um, places like Brave in Victoria that are designed for survivors of conversion practices, because the more you're able to share your story, the more we can do. Um, but I think on a more kind of like interpersonal level, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. I know mm. it's such a common turn of phrase, um, but you have a right to exist and you have a right to feel how you are and lean on those people that you trust and it's okay if those aren't your religious leaders. That was always one of the scariest things to me. It was like, I feel like I can only talk about things with my religious leaders because that's what God's designed. But that's what friends and family and loved ones are for. Mm. I think it is really important to like speak out and talk about your experiences, even if it's not, you know, as intense as four days a week going to, uh, you know, spiritual guidance classes and yeah. stuff. So I, you know, I came out much to the dismay of my parents when I did come out. I was very young, but I am that personality type and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hold myself inside because this is who I am. So stuck like Break stick down it. The door. Stick yeah. it. Yeah. Um and I but I continued my my faith and my relationship with the church well into my early 20s. But there was a period of time where I went to a youth group and I had people lay hands on me, which is oh, where wow. they literally get around you and they put their hands on you and they start praying. Um and I literally just went, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was about like, you know, I was having loads of surgeries on my ankle at the time and I thought it was going to be more about that but they then were trying to cure me of other things and I went hell no I'm getting out of here yeah. and now that I hear other people's experiences I'm like oh they were probably doing that to other people mm. however other people might not be as brave to walk away as I was and so I think People like me saying, literally, if someone's doing that to you, speak out about it yeah. because they could be doing that to other people within that environment. And that's why, Jace, thank you so much for the story that you shared in um, the advertiser last week, your experience in your story and getting this conversation moving and getting the conversation specifically in South Australia moving because we need to see that change occur. Now, we said earlier we have bans uh, on conversion therapy in Queensland, Victoria and the ACT and New South Wales and um, Tasmania are announcing an intention to do the same. Why do you think we haven't seen the same thing happen in 
South Australia? Um, look, I mean, South Australia is at the end of the day the city of churches. Um, and I think a lot of people fear that some kind of ban on conversion practices is an infringement of religious freedom. And that's why I think the point you made about, you know, still having that connection to church um, and God and faith afterwards is really important. We're not saying that people don't get to believe what they believe and that they don't get to follow the book. What we're saying is that that then should be an individual choice of an individual mm. um, and that conversion practices, it doesn't work. It doesn't, doesn't matter how many times they prayed over me or you, we didn't stop being who we were. And that's what we want to see happen is that we know conversion practices do not work. The evidence is not there. That's why they shouldn't continue to happen. Um, so people are afraid. They're afraid that we're, you know, restricting religious freedom, but that is not what it's about at all. There's many people of faith. We're involving religious leaders in this conversation. We want everyone to have a moment to say what they need, and we want to do what's safest for LGBTQIA plus people across the state. And now, Jace, I think it's important to note that whilst you and I both have Christian religious experiences, this is not a Christian problem. This is a religion yep. as a whole problem. It's also a cultural problem. There are co still cultures from around the world that when they come to Australia, they bring their their ideas and beliefs. Conversion therapy does not discriminate yeah. per culture or religion. It is it is a much bigger problem than just one. Um, and, and let's be real, it's also not therapy. It's practices. It's conversion practices. It's really important because people think it's therapy and it's not. Yeah, I feel like we had a conversation and there is a really great website that has a lot of cultural information on it. I'm going to find We're it. We're going to find it. Um, that talks about different religions and spiritualities and groups of people who may be practising these cultural beliefs and how to explain to them that it's not Okay. Yes, yeah. that was something that was brought out by the Victorian Equality Commissioner, and we're going to find that. We and will we definitely. Will, find we will share that with all of you, not only in the podcast, but later on in the show. Jace, thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning and creating space for this conversation in the hope that it can change the current situation when it comes to conversion practices in South Australia. I have one last very small question, but it's a huge one. How are you now? Um. I'm, I'm moving on up. That's what I always say. Um, you know, I have a family friend that also in the 80s went through aversion practices, so proper medical mm. um, conversion practices. Um, and, you know, they're 40 years older than me. Um, and we both look at where we are now and the way our lives have changed and we keep moving on up. I'm glad to hear that. If this has struck a chord with anyone listening, please make sure you head to joy.org.au forward slash support. There are plenty of resources out there. And let's get this BS band. Absolutely. Jace, thank you for sharing your story with us this morning on the show. Thank you so much. That was our pre-recorded interview with Jace that Rachel and I did earlier in the week. You're on Joy Breakfast with Cal and Dean this morning. Yeah. And look, I think that's it's... Um, you know, it's a tough conversation, but it is really exciting to see seeing some traction over in South Australia yeah. um, because I think it is it's something we just need to, you know, I don't, I really have not heard anybody that's really opposed to legislation that, you I know, I see things in the practices. news, like a certain comment here or certain thing there, but I agree. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. We uh, Thank you very much, Jace, for that conversation. We received a message in from little Jason saying uh, from the I and us, you'll hear about my experience with conversion therapy when you hear me on For One Night Only later in March. 
it really screwed with me in a big way for a really long time. Yeah, and Jace goes on to say, I'm very glad I received the help that I needed. I know Jace, as in Jace Ray over in South Australia, and he's such a great person making great changes in Adelaide. And so we echo that as well. So, so thank you for everyone who has experienced convergence therapy for sharing your stories and the difference that that makes. You're on Joe Breakfast with Cal and Dean. Hey, I'm Rage. And I'm Dean, and I hope you enjoyed this little snippet of the fun we bring to air as a part of Joy Breakfast during weekdays. Don't forget to tune in from 7 till 9am or like and subscribe to the Joy Podcast. And keep yourself out loud and proud. Thanks for listening to another Joy Podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.